Well, hello, hello, hello out there to everybody out there across God's country. How's everybody doing this weekend? Huh? Hopefully doing well. We're back here again. They just can't stop us. Just Rick Wagner right here on KNZZ KGLN. They have four places at least, 1192.7, 980 and 101.3. Of course, the Internet, where we have a number of people listening to us. I appreciate that. And podcasts that you can reach through, uh, gosh, a lot of podcast locations. I think we're on iTunes and uh, probably TuneIn, I think. But you can go to our website at uh, therickwagnershow.com. You're a political Viking, of course. Uh, and uh, go right to the podcast if you want to get the last week's show. Or if you missed part of this show later on, you can go down and take a look. And you can have someone else listen to it. Think of what joy that might bring to them. It'll certainly bring it to me if you haven't listened to it. So, you know, I like people to hear what I have to say. Mainly because it just uh, it's sort of therapeutic for no other reason. <laughs> and I'm kind of excited about this week, actually, folks. This is uh, this is the first week where I really feel uh, that I'm on the road to serfdom. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. I mean, we've been working at it for a while, but I kind of feel like I'm, you know, I'm I'm becoming a serf, just like the rest of you out there. If you live in Colorado, uh, if you live in Colorado, you know what? I probably what I'm going to reference. If you don't. Uh, I'll tell you, here in Colorado, our legislature, which is uh, made up predominantly of people who have escaped from hamster cages, decided that uh, we needed, for reasons that they are mainly very unclear of, because you need to have an IQ with, that starts with a number larger than two digits and a seven. So um, anyway, if your IQ is not three digits and the first number is a seven or below, you automatically qualify uh, for the lottery we call elections to run as a Democrat member of uh, our state legislature. So congratulations. None of those people are listening to this show. But if you know some and they're probably out of work, then applying for local government or the state legislature is always an option for them. After all, it wouldn't be better if you just paid them rather than have them sit around and, you know, apply for jobs they're not going to take and collect unemployment. Anyway, so what they've done is they have mandated no more plastic bags. That's right. No more plastic bags or plastic containers to keep food warm because that's a modern thing. And we now live in medieval times. That's right. It's not so apparent right away, but that's kind of where it's headed. And I uh, I refused the other day when it was offered if I wanted if I had my own sack. <laughs> It sounds funny to say, doesn't it? I said, they said, do you have your own sack? And I said, uh, no, I do not. Uh, and I, I said, and the reason is, is because I'm not a peasant. Uh, I'm not trudging down the road, uh, in my homemade shoes with my uh, burlap sack over my shoulder with all of my food in it as I stumble back to my hovel. And as I'm Walking along the road, and this is a little theatric, but you know, as I'm, I'm like perhaps a, perhaps this car speeds by, a, you know, a large black limousine, and it splashes water on me, and I, I don't get out of the way fast enough, and the brakes are slammed on, and the man opens the win- rear, rolls down the rear window, power of course, and uh, orders his driver to get out. He is of course is a lord in this medieval world. That is to say, uh, you know, he announces himself as saying something. Don't you know? that I'm the assistant to the undersecretary to the assistant in the Department of Commerce in charge of suppression of news? 
How dare you block my path? And would have the driver give me a sound thrashing, and after which I would tug my forelock, and they would go on about their business. Now, that's sort of the medieval world, I think, we're medieval-liked world that we're sort of heading to. And I just see this whole bossing you around to the point where they tell you what you transport your belongings, because they're now your belongings, you purchase them at a store home. They now tell you what you can carry them in. This reminds me a little bit of some of the medieval rules of dressing, accoutrement, uh, that were in place. In medieval England and some other places in Europe, uh, for periods of time, they had rules about what clothes you could wear. Now, those clothes are, of course, as you would guess, based upon the social order. Uh, of course, they would start with the royalty, and they were able to wear certain things, ermine, uh, purple-trimmed robe, you know, purple robes, ermine-trimmed, things like that. And then as you sort of tumble down the uh, level of lordlings, uh, you know, fox fur, things like that were allowed. And so you came down to the regular people who were allowed to wear none of that stuff, just to make sure that you knew where you stood in society seems to me that's kind of where we're going here. You no longer can choose how you transport your food, your belongings. You can no longer have any choice in how your food is delivered to you. It can no longer come in polystyrene or things like that because it kills, maybe messes up. We don't even know. And trust me, the legislatures that passed this do not know either what the point of it is. It just seems like, well, it's environmentally sound, we should virtue signal and uh, because we can, and it makes us feel powerful and important. And many of the people in government were not for their position in the government, would never be important or powerful or people that you would ever listen to for any reason whatsoever. They simply find, found a niche that has power with it. They've had nothing to do with the gathering of that power. They just worm their way into a position and utilize the power of the state. Why is that? Because we've let them. We have foolishly let ourselves take their eye off, off of what's going on around us to no longer know what's going on in our governmental affairs. I can't tell you how many people I heard, and I know I've said this before. It, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, an endless loop, I know. But once again, people were saying, when did this happen? This, this is referring, of course, to the denial of the plastic bag, the evil plastic bag, whose name shall not be spoken. Uh, why did this happen? Well, it happened a year ago. And it was, you know, in the legislature, it was a bill. It was debated and voted upon and, of course, signed by our libertarian, I have huge air quotes around that, our libertarian governor, good old jumping Jerry Polis, the, uh, you know, the Charlie Brown of governors, the round-headed kid, that never gets anything right, that fell backward into some lucky guesses in Internet, made a lot of money, and then bought the governorship. So then he signed it, and then he's continued to pretend to people periodically, like, well, I could have some libertarian tendencies. Let me tell you something. Not you guys. I'm not talking to you guys. I That's kind of an abrasive way to address you. But let me tell him something. A libertarian, in any sense of the word, does not impose these kinds of limitations upon people. So that action, this single action, eliminates any pretense of libertarianism. There are plenty others before this, but this one, come on. Just come on. 
I don't know what else to say. So that's what's happened. For those of you in other states listening and uh, listening on the Internet or uh, if you're, you know, in some country that they don't and you happen to be picking up the radio signal um, at the AM side, gets out a long distance sometimes. This is the way our country is headed. Some of you live in countries that are already like that. For instance, you could live in Cuba. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we have uh, a whole new influx of um, immigrants from Cuba that have uh, decided to take ship and uh, go to Florida. Uh, it is not a, it's not a easy run there. The distance isn't all that huge on the map, but it's a long way across the open ocean. And they have gotten there. Now, if you don't know if you've noticed, but, you know, Governor DeSantis says these are illegal immigrants that be treated and such. Uh, but the federal government is just not interested in these people. Just yeah, yeah, send them back. Maybe uh, they should. We don't. We don't. Don't talk to us about them. Uh, maybe you should send them back. And of course, the reason is we've said this before on the show, and you know this: the Cuban population living under Castro and seeing what socialism does are not easily converted to Democrats. They don't like them if you're a Democrat. They have not been their friend. So when they show up, not that big a show about it like they get with people that they think they can still indoctrinate into becoming Democrat voters. Although a lot of my, even from Venezuela, are smarter than they Hi, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us over the break there. Welcome back to Surf Radio. That's right. And Surf spelled with an E, not a U. <laughs> this is the first thing you know what we're talking about. Oh, by the way, before I forget, uh, often when I play that particular bumper, which those of you listening to the podcast don't hear because we can't put it on the podcast, it's only on the radio, uh, that's Promised Land is what that's called. People will ask. Promised promised Land, uh, Promised Land, I think I should say that correctly, by, of course, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. And, you know, and it's not as easily found and played as often as you would think. I personally love that song. I think it sounds great. It's always got your foot tapping, and it has a lot of words. You know, some songs have a few words repeated over and over again. Got a lot of words. Tells quite a story. But I like to mention that because people occasionally, if we play it, will write in and ask what the name of it is. And by the way, you can write in as well, and I like hearing from you guys. I'm not often able to respond but I do read everything, and you can reach me at uh, Rick Wagner, simple Rick Wagner, no dots or dashes, at mail.com, and I appreciate that as well. Uh, so I was looking around the office today. Uh, I thought I'd check the storeroom. I had a, I have a, uh, a storeroom back there because I, I wanted to make sure that Joe Biden hadn't left any classified documents in it. Uh, it appears, though, every place that's a storeroom, he managed to strew about some, eh, you know, Documents Iran, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, who knows, you know, what's the problem? Uh, what's going on out there? You know, this is, uh, listen to me, buddy. I'll, I'll let's do push-ups. Like, you can do a push-up. Uh, <laughs> you guys, guys have been following the story, I know, and you can look at it. And uh, I try to put these up at their website at therickwagnershow.com. And, <laughs> you know, first they found these Documents in a closet, some, not these, but some like 10 or 12 classified, some of them secret. I'm surprised we are able to talk about them. Documents in a closet, a locked closet in his, quote, office at Penn State. 
Penn State's interesting because uh, he has claimed to have been a professor there. <laughs> I was a professor there. No, he wasn't. He showed up nine times for some events. <laughs> Not a professor. Dr. Jill probably filled in for him. But uh, he has the Biden uh, Center there. And uh, actually, I think it's at, I think it's at U of Penn. Uh, but the Biden Center uh, for, I don't know, looking for new Bidens. It's hard to say what it is. But we do know that it is immensely popular with anonymous donors from China. Yes, millions of dollars flowed into the Biden Center there um, from China. Apparently, people have tried to find out from the university where this particularly came from and where it was spent. Uh, Joe apparently got a million dollars for his teaching because you can imagine the kind of knowledge that dude could lay on you. Oof. There's really not a price you, you wouldn't be willing to pay for that. It's unclear why. All the university apparently has said is that, uh, well, the money that he received didn't come from China. Well, that's an obvious canard, right? Because if they're stupid enough just to take the check from China and endorse the back of it over to Joe, that seems a little bit, even for them, even for the Bidens and their genius capacity for graft, I don't think they would they would tumble to that. This is a sad thing about the Bidens, by the way, is that they're so inept. Think how bad the system should be that the Bidens can make money off of it. Think about that. You wouldn't let these guys, they couldn't put a tinker toy set together. Yet they can make tens of millions of dollars off of something to do with these. Don't forget, they love the Ukraine. Yes, long before the war happened, they still love them some Ukraine. And the university is just very dodgy about it. Apparently, his requests have just gone either unanswered or they, you know, the only answer they've given is, well, any money donated from China to the university through the, you know, the Biden Center does not, does not, did not go to Joe. <laughs> Of course not. What if, if you wanted to keep that direct connection out, the money goes into one fund and you just write the check out of another one, don't you? I mean, how, how transparent is that? Like that's going to put people off. Like, oh yeah, the assumption there, I guess, is the officials at the university have been dealing with Bidens too long and they think that the general public has that level of mental acuity and they can just like, well, it didn't come from, that check didn't come from China and you would just toddle off like, you know, one of the Bidens and go, okay. Uh, but of course that is not an answer. So we don't know that people will be trying to find out. We'll see if they have any luck with that at all. But, you know, first they found these documents there. Then they found some, someone else, somewhere else, just a view, you know, strewn around, not important. Don't you even look that way. It's not important. And then, this is the funniest one. If you guys have seen this, there was some more in a, his garage in Delaware, you know, where he goes in and something is done. Remember, he goes back to Delaware all the time. Uh, you know, my theory is, is he replaced by a clone, uh, that's, uh, grown in the basement and they just come in and recharge him, uh, with some, I don't know, electricity. I sort of envision that sort of, uh, 1940s Frankenstein thing with a lot of Van de Graaff generators and electricity flashing around and, you know, a, a test tube with him in it and kind of electricity going back and forth. But they have a couple of them, and, uh, you know, I think they just replace them. Now, this is just a theory, okay? It's just it's just kind of wild, I know, but, you know, doesn't seem any crazier than a lot of things he does. 
anyway, but this is the same, this is the same place that he goes all the time. And of course he keeps his wonderful 67 Corvette convertible, which by the way, I'd like to have one. I love those cars, uh, in there. And during a, <laughs> this is, that's funny. During a segment of Jay Leno's garage, which I guess is on one of the many bazillion cable channels, because you know, Jay Leno, Jenna was a great collector of cars and, uh, he visits some other people that have cars he wouldn't look at. Apparently, they went to visit Biden. Probably Biden begged them to, but that's we don't know that. So Biden pulls his this Corvette out of this garage where he keeps it stored at uh, his uh, laboratory slash home in Delaware. And now they went back, and you can see the boxes in the garage that apparently they pulled these documents out of. <laughs> and Biden's answer to Peter Ducey, I think it was... It might have been Thursday uh, when they asked him about was that secure, was that it was in a locked garage. Like, you know, the garage was locked. It's where I keep my Corvette. <laughs> like that's like that's the oh, OK, then. Yes, no problem. You know, I understand that a lot of uh, sensitive documents of the CIA are, are kept uh, in a parking garage uh, down below, possibly, uh, you know, in a footlocker. So that's his answer. They're not even locked anything. There's apparently a box sitting there, like a cardboard box. And uh, I saw the circle thing of it. You guys have to take a look at it. It's it's hilarious, and then it makes you cry a little bit as a patriot and a person who loves the country, because that's the group that's running it. And then the original flyby kind of stuff by the journalism with the first one was a hysterical response because, of course, this made everybody think about this Mar-a-Lago raid and all this stuff about President Trump and how bad he was. And then all these crazy things that Biden said, I can't imagine how those documents got out there. And can you imagine the damage that they may done, been done? Well, he has quite the imagination. So they realized they had to defend this, no big deal, inadvertent. Who knows how they got in a locked closet in his, quote, office at the uh, Biden Center. And that's doing, we're not 100% sure what kind of work. Uh, he's not there doing it, but China's funding something. Or people in China, we don't know. Perhaps they were there setting up an office so they could display Hunter's artwork. Just good as an explanation as any. So that was happening. But then the second bunch and then this, this, you know, the Corvette files, as I will refer to them, uh, started turning up. But finally, even people at the AP and CBS News started asking, uh, our, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, about it. Of course, she can't answer any questions. I'm not certain that she can properly answer where she's headed after the briefing without it being written in that book she carries with us, because that's her reference for everything. And, she had no way to answer that, dodge the questions, on and on. It also had a touch of humor to it if you didn't care about your country. Uh, and, you know, you laugh for a minute and you think, oh, my gosh, this is my – that's my country they're do- that, that's, that these people are in charge of. So that was hilarious as, like I said, as a person, if you take yourself out of being a citizen of the United States. Uh, we really have to see how that goes. And Merrick Garland, the uh, – Attorney General, who should be removed from office immediately, but I doubt that's going to happen, finally, after so much pressure, has appointed a special counsel to look into it. Because the big thing was, was I mean, of course, the, you know, the armed raid on Mar-a-Lago and the whole, you know, the, the whole nine yards of, of 
the law enforcement might that was brought against Trump, none of that was even considered with Biden. As a matter of fact, it was like, you know, oh, he just forgot, like he was fumbling in his jacket and it all fell out and no one even noticed it. And if they did notice it, they didn't think they were important. And if somebody did find them, there was nothing to it. So after that, you know, there's only so many times you can find this stuff strewn about the country, right? And so he appointed the special counsel. I haven't looked into it yet to see what sort of Democrat operative that is, but uh, interesting stuff. Okay, everybody, thanks. Sticking around, I appreciate that. Back here right on uh, KNZZ, KJLN. Oh, that's four stations across Western Colorado, Eastern Utah, the Internet. Once again, we appreciate all of the listeners we have on the Internet. And uh, those of you that are listening on the podcast, uh, and like I said before, you can always catch up on a show if you miss it by podcast, and you can go to our webpage if you want to get on that. It's uh, therickwagnershow.com. And some of you link to it on the politicalviking.com because that's our nom de plume on uh, a couple other platforms on YouTube and uh the uh, oh, Facebook, and you can find us, the Political Viking, on Facebook, and uh, join up, come take a look, and uh, become a friend on Facebook, and uh, you'll see some of the things we post there, and it's a great spot. I've been, uh, it's really happy with uh, people to get on there. We're going to spend a little more time on it here in the future and kind of jazz it up a little bit, so feel free to do that. But <laughs> I'm looking through my notes here, and my notes always make me laugh a little bit. I mean, it's laugh or cry. It's kind of one of those things. But, uh, and a couple of things that you folks have sent me over time as well, but, um, there's, there's just some just craziness out there. And, you know, we were talking earlier in the other segments about this constant, uh, finding of documents that Biden classified, very classified documents that have been found, of course, at, uh, University of Pennsylvania. And by the way, if I believe I've said Penn State at least once, and that's not, it's University of Pennsylvania, two different places, two different football teams for sure. And, uh, you know, University of Pennsylvania is, of course, one of the uh, technically one of the Ivy Leagues, although it's sort of a lower, lower ranked Ivy League. It does have the Wharton School of Business, however, where Donald Trump went. A lot of people, it's a great business school. Uh, but the place is, of course, a hotbed of uh, left wing radicalism and wokeism, like all of them. So it's a perfect place for the Biden Center. Yes, the Penn Biden Center. You can imagine the sort of genius stuff that uh, Biden would be able to contribute to these things. I mean, he's so erudite and uh, perceptive. Once again, not his age. He's been a moron his entire life. He's just showing his angry side, and he's a little slower to express the moronic side. But it's just the same. And (laughs) I had to lie. During the the break here, I had had looked again... uh, at him backing it out of his garage with this stack of documents in the garage, right? And of course his version is, well, Hunter, uh, he, you know, he restored my 67 Corvette, uh, you know, yeah, like he had something to do with it. I mean, remember how this works? I mean, Joe gets the information, gives it to Hunter, Hunter apparently sells it, and then that's how, they, so it's not the other way around. And besides that, when he said Hunter restored it, Hunter did not restore his car. Do you think Hunter Biden, in his off time, in other words, the, you know, hour or two a week when they can manage to hose him off and put him in a suit and parade him around before he goes back to performing like he does in those uh, wonderful videos that he found on the laptop, you think he's got any mechanical ability to restore that car <laughs> in the garage? 
You think he's doing that? You think you'd trust Hunter Biden with a screwdriver <laughs> or a pocket knife? It's a, that's just a ridiculous assumption all by itself. So uh, more will come out about this. Uh, perhaps uh, the everything that the Department of Justice does now uh, is an effort in some way to minimize this, cover it up, or act like they're doing something when they're not. Uh, this prosecutor that they appointed as a special counsel, because they were forced into it as these as these new revelations came up. You know, he was a he's a Trump appointee. Yeah, it's a low-level Trump appointee. He's not a buddy with Trump, okay? He was appointed during the Trump administration. So I guess the best you can hope for is he's not an absolute, complete radical like those who were appointed during the Obama administration. But beyond that, it doesn't tell you a darn thing. And having worked at the Department of Justice for any time like he has, of course, he's it's practically impossible at an at a upper-level prosecutor there to be, you know, not have a screw loose and uh, the screw loose in the direction of the left. Uh, I guess we could be surprised, but we're not. And also remember that as a sitting president, Joe Biden can't be charged with anything. Now, Donald Trump can because he's no longer president, but Joe Biden can't be charged with anything. So that's not going to happen. And here's something else that I know you know this, but the mainstream media just blows right past it. I, I actually made a point when I was looking at this stuff to talk about and to read, like, I think it was in New York magazine. Gives you some idea of the perspective on that. These are the hardcore Manhattanites that, uh, you know, every time they talk about something about Trump, they have to mention how much they loathe him. I mean, that's how they started out. And that's the good stuff when they're trying to say, well, you know, Trump has to be given some. We loathe him, of course. So I read their description of this in there. And if you read it, you almost would be unable to understand what happened because the whole piece was an apology for Biden in the sense that it's, you know, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's anybody could have done it, this and that. And then probably a third of it is these uh, differentiations. They try and draw between how Joe Biden handled these documents and, of course, evil incarnate Donald Trump handled his documents. First of all, there are some big differences that are just they're just factual differences. One is Donald Trump took these documents apparently with him, thinking that he could, and they have been aware of their existence pretty much since he left the presidency. They weren't discovered by someone, you know, dusting like apparently happened with Joe. Uh, they were something that, that were disputed. The National Archives started disputing them. Well, we think we need. No, you don't. Yes, we do. And so that's completely left out. Uh, the way they were discovered. In fact, I would I would say Trumps weren't discovered. They were known, and there was a dispute about this, and there's been dispute with the presidents before about what, what records they can keep. The presidents are authorized. It's very confusing, the Presidential Records Act. They're authorized to make copies of their personal documents and things like that to put in their library, like, you know, this megalithic sort of uh, Constantinople thing that... Uh, uh, Obama's trying to build in Chicago. I mean, he's not going to visit it or anything. He doesn't go back to Chicago anymore. Good Lord, why would he go back to Chicago? He lives in Martha's Vineyard and has another estate in uh, in Hawaii, like I said before. The man could not be more isolated from the rest of us, right? Two islands. <laughs> How much more obvious can that be? He doesn't want to mix with you, okay? He's going to live on his island with a wall around it and venture out periodically to tell us how bad we are and then toddle himself back in and see if anybody's giving him any money for something. So 
the difference the difference between what happens here is that uh, Joe, and this is the big thing that they they just don't even don't even mention. Joe was vice president. Joe was not authorized to remove anything. Joe was not authorized to declassify anything. Only the president was authorized to declassify anything. So there's an argument about whether Trump had declassified some of these things during his presidency. That argument is even available to Joe. Now, I guess you could make some weird argument. I'm trying to think about that now. Now that Joe is president, he, could he go back and unclassify or, unclassify or declassify the documents that he that he walked away from, you know, after he was vice president? Six years ago? I don't know. They've made weirder arguments. I haven't heard that one yet, but, you know, they've pitched everything. So, yeah, this is a huge difference. Joe was never, during the time he possessed these documents after he left uh, his job, which, by the way, I've noticed that when he left the White House, Joe Biden was vice president. Can I keep saying that? He didn't live in the White House. You know, he lived in the vice president's residence. If he was living in the White House, it was as a troll or perhaps some of those people you read in these movies that like, you know, they, they live up in, in the crawl space without people knowing about it. If he wasn't doing that, he didn't live in the White House. I've seen that in a couple of left wing publications when Joe Biden left the White House. He didn't leave the White House unless he was in there stuffing silverware in his pockets and then ran out just before Obama left office. He didn't live in the White House. So they always like trying to make it like he was more important than he was. He was a placeholder. He was Kamala Harris. He was someone to keep Obama safe. If people wanted to like remove Obama from office or something, there was Joe and nobody wanted that. It's kind of the same thing that's happening with Kamala. You know, you don't, geez, just when you think you'd like to see Joe gone, well, if it meant that we automatically got Kamala and nobody should have a chance to even vote on her, well, it's like, yeah. At least Joe, we can probably, you know, put up with. He maybe we we know that she's perhaps even worse. So you get scared of the devil, you know, problem, right? So there's that. But I'm telling you, you read this stuff. Now I watched, I read this article, and then I read one on uh, MSN. <laughs> now remember what MSNBC stands for. Remember back where it started. I've mentioned this before. Microsoft. NBC. They they joined up there to start the channel. Now, Microsoft has gotten out of it, but they kept the denomination. So so I read on MSN News, which I can't tell if it's part of Microsoft or it's part of MSNBC, but it's very far left. It's uh, You go to left field. Imagine you're playing baseball. You look out to left field, far left field. There's a guy there. Forget about him. Look at the fence. Look over the fence. There's a guy drunk asleep in a lawn chair at the end of the parking lot. That's MSNBC in the left field. And so uh, I was I was reading the hat. And once again, it was just nothing but uh, all of these sort of phony differences between the classified documents. So it's interesting to see how they work, actually. Um, and they're so upset because now the media is actually asking some harder questions, even CBS and the AP and... You know, they keep, you know, because, uh, Karen Jean-Pierre, uh, is not very good at answering questions, which is not a great talent not to have if you're a press secretary. She does not possess it. She'll, yeah, it's really, we don't know her personally, but she seems to have just two problems. Uh, she doesn't have any information 
And she doesn't know how to tell people that she doesn't have any information. She just keeps walking around it. I've been perfectly clear here. I'm in terms of said that the president's perfectly clear. No, he hasn't. Just saying he doesn't know is not perfectly clear. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny actually. But you know they're worried about news. They actually believe the Biden White House. There's several leaks about this. Actually believe that that the news is hard on Joe, right? And that one of the problems is that the, the news out there is, is becoming less diverse. There's less of it. So just to make you feel pretty good about what they're thinking about out there. And you, you'll remember this from just during the Obama administration. They floated this thing, I think, if I remember right, that the federal government proposes greater role in local news. Hmm, really? Gee, they had such experience having a greater role in Twitter. Is that what they mean? Of course that's what they mean. The government accounting office says that They'd like to keep these like newspapers and small news sources and stuff out there in business. And they're proposing that maybe we should give tax incentives or credits, direct government funding. I'm reading from the story. Government advertising, federal grants or loans, and even government intervention with respect to dominant news platforms to bolster local and non nonprofit news. Now, in case you haven't heard this latest little song and dance, is this... Uh, very, very strong push. It's just below the surface to try and get uh, newspapers, especially, and a couple other places that are in the news that uh, nobody wants to hear from, to become non-profits, not-for-profits. Why is that? Well, there's some advantages to that. Uh, if you can get people to donate to you, right, Um but what they want is, because then it's nonprofits, the federal government is getting more and more involved in funneling money to nonprofits. And I'm going to say a, a name to you that hopefully will ring a bell. It's, it's a number of years ago, but it was the first thing that really popped up. Remember ACORN? Yeah, ACORN was a housing community activist group located, in, as I remember, in Chicago or something like that. And... It turned out they were getting government money to do all this outreach that, oddly enough, seemed like political work. And that was in really, the, I think, the first Obama administration. Uh, and that was the first time it really popped out that there was something besides National Public Radio and that little group uh, that they were that they were funneling money to in some way uh, that were quote nonprofits. Now there is a tremendous amount of NGOs. You'll see this in news uh, articles all the time. I hate it when they pop these acronyms out because if you haven't been following them, then you what? What are they talking? You got to look it up. What do you do? Non-governmental uh, operations, right? Essentially, all of these not-for-profits that have been set up, many of whom got set up. Remember all these these things that got set up by uh, Mark Zuckerberg before the 2020 election that were supposed to help with voting, but instead, instead of going places where they really needed help, like rural areas and things that you could have actually done something with, they went to all of the counties in places like Wisconsin and, strangely enough, maybe Georgia and other places like that, and sort of uh, invaded and took over, in many ways, the function of the clerks, you know, to try and get, turn out the vote, as it were, you know. And uh, now... Zuckerberg put, I think, $416 million into that. You know, at that time, that was something that he probably, you know, 
had it in a sock drawer someplace and forgot it was there. Oh, look at this. But and which is another problem, by the way. The problem being that the, the concentration of capital in the United States has become ridiculous amongst very small. I don't think we ever had uh, groups of people with as much capital above what would be the median income. I mean, we have. Uh, if you go along the the sort of the coastal corridor of California, I don't know. There's probably a couple trillion dollars in capital there, and and the ability to distribute that capital out has held really a relatively few amount of people, which allows them to do all sorts of really significant things with almost no no real cost to them. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of money. $10 million to some organization someplace sounds like a lot of money to us. Doesn't sound like that Zuckerberg, the Google guys, uh, Lauren uh, Mackenzie Bezos. I can't remember what her name is now. She's getting divorced for a second time. Um, you know, was dumping money into it. I think she, I think she bought the Atlantic. You know, these people can drop a million dollars into some race someplace or some cause like, oof, like you'd put money in a parking meter. That can turn, that can be a real problem, uh, in terms of anybody else's ability to compete with that. And that's been happening a lot. Now, the reason they're able to do that is because we've allowed this megalithic, um, so this large stone would be, I guess we could say, we could say that if you want to translate that. But these mega corporations to continuously dominate portions of the information system in a way that we never would have even contemplated doing in the 70s and probably in the 80s. The antitrust acts, people would have been demanding that they split these guys up. They control far too much of the information flow through one and two companies. It's all okay. Calm down. We don't need to do that. You know how we can tell that it's okay? Because we're big contributors to politicians, and they represent you, and they're okay with it. That's their answer. That's not a good answer. But that's what's happening. But we've got to really watch this local news things because they tried this before, and people were kind of, what the? And as soon as a light got shined on it, it's you know like turning the light on in a kitchen. If there's a, if there's a cockroach there, they scramble away. So they kind of went back into it. But they still want desperately to somehow take your tax dollars and funnel them to smaller news sources and essentially direct them. Like I said, you're seeing what happened to Twitter. Imagine that on smaller scale all over the place. And their problem is, is a lot of these small news, these like newspapers and stuff are going out of business because, well, the business model is tough right now. That's just fair. The other piece is a lot of them are, you know, they are far left rags or propaganda machines who dislike half their readers. Hard to stay in business when people figure that out. So, you know, what's the, what's the answer? Hmm, tax money. Make sure those guys keep pumping that stuff out, whether you subscribe to it or not, because you need to know, right? It's like those, uh, what is that, NBC, um, with the little star that shoots across and it makes a little noise, ring, you know, it says, and you need to know, or if you need to know, or something like that. Very disturbing when I see it. Stop instructing me, okay? That's not what we watch TV for, is to be instructed about how to be better people. You know, If there is, we'll go to the Better People channel and see if there's something on there that we like. But um, you know, watch this very carefully, because these characters desperately want to get tax money involved in the news. Uh, because once they sew that up, I mean, they, got, they have the Internet. They, you know, they've been working on it. If we don't wake up and try and split that up a little bit. They have internet, they have uh, the big companies, they have, you know, essentially the control over what apps you have on your phone, uh, 
all this stuff that people use far too much, I might add. But, you know, we, we're stuck that way. We've, we've bought into it. Our first mistake, of course, was thinking that all this stuff was free. Remember? No, oh, Facebook, not to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so how do you think they make all that money? You're not paying for anything. You're using it all the time. That's the customers. Wait a second. They're selling essentially you, not you as a physical person, just you as a entity that exists uh, as part of your information about who you are, what you do, where you go, what you like, what you don't like, what you say. They sell that and uh, they track it and it's just getting more sophisticated all the time. And that's where their money comes from because people who are advertisers and things buy that from them so they can hector you. And I wonder more and more how much of it is uh, going back to the federal government. The cooperation between the federal government and these organizations was even more chilling when you read those uh, Twitter files than I even thought. I mean, the, the FBI agents, those guys in San Francisco that were working on the FBI on this stuff in particular, were just, I mean, they apparently were working full-time to censor Twitter. I mean, they got stuff all the time. It's, it was also said that the folks at Twitter ha- were having trouble keeping up with all their requests. And that didn't even include uh, the Balloon Boy uh, had uh, Adam Schiff there with his request for, you know, to get people to be quiet, you know, misinformation. Uh, also, uh, speaking on that, there is, uh, I believe, New Jersey. Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, has just signed something that's going to require all the kids in school to get a class on how to recognize misinformation. What do you think is going to be in that one? <laughs> you think it's going to be how you sort out the truth, that really sort out things, you know, like, well, think for yourself and look at other information and go, think that's what it's going to be? Oh, no. It's going to be about, you know, Russiagate and uh, how Trump uh, should be prosecuted. And if you hear anything else, that's misinformation. It's, it's the fact that people let this being done to their kids is just beyond me. I don't, I don't get the people put up with it but that's why we got to get these school boards and this local politics is just way too important folks it, it's it it's moved into the level where they're going to get them really young and get your money right at the basis right at your city councils right at your school boards and you're not paying attention and they're going to move in that anyway one last thing is uh, McCarthy is authorized to releasing the 14,000 hours of security footage from the Capitol riot and it's got the left just beside themselves Watch for that. Talk to you next week.